Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Folks, if you'd like a copy of my best-selling first book, Tales of a First Round Nothing, head on over to ecwpress.com. If you'd like a copy of my second book, Tales with TR, Fights, Film, and Folklore, head on over to www.flankerpress.com. If you'd like either copy personalized, just add a note. Thanks for listening to my podcast, and happy reading. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hello! Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode 140B, Tales with TR. And we'll get right to the chase. Ladies and gentlemen, my next guest played pro hockey for well over a decade after a successful OHL career in which he played for a unique six different teams in three years. He's known as one of the toughest players of his era and has thousands of penalty minutes to prove it. These days, he hosts the Sheriff Podcast, which continues to gain momentum around the hockey world and also hosts Ice Wars International. He just started a team mentoring program called Chatting with the Sheriff and is an all-round great guy and member of the hockey fraternity. He is a hell of a host, a marvelous mentor, a fine forward, a fearless fighter, a shifty sheriff, a terrific teacher. He was a team leader lots, and he didn't pick his spots. Pitchers stand on a mound, and he was the toughest sheriff around. He often rides a bike and his magic on the mic. He's got strong wrists and like to throw his fists. Oh, my, my, he's a hell of a guy. He isn't scared of danger, and his producer is Danny Granger. If I wanted a Ferrari, I'd have to ask to borrow, and please welcome back my pal, Sean the Sheriff McMorrow. How the hell are you, Sean? Woo! I'm great, Terry. I'm great. I'm just I'm just excited to be on Tales with TR, man. I've been wanting to come back for so long, buddy. So thank you for having me back on. I'm I'm fired right up, brother. No problem. I love having you on, first of all. And I'm glad that we got through the kind of chronological order of your career last time. When was that? Last summer? Um You know what, Terry? I think I think it was about a year ago, brother. About a year ago. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you know what it was? It was it was it was at least in the spring, if not the tail end of the winter. So anybody listening that wants to go back, check that out. It was close to episode hundred. I don't remember exactly where. I will post the specific soon. But uh, we went into Shun's career and uh, the ups and downs and the good, the bad and the ugly. So right now today, I do want you to refresh our memories with some things, but we're gonna get into some general stuff. How's that? That sounds incredible, man. So the first thing I want to know is what you're up to now. I see this mentoring program. Now, we know that you were a tough guy. You played a long time. Your, your hockey um, resume speaks for itself. Now you're well-spoken and not only tough, you were a good player too. Two-way, one year even at six goals in 20-odd games. I saw that. Uh, it was a different role at the time, and you didn't get a chance to play a lot. But great guy, great player. Now you've branched out into chat. Ch- is it ch- chatting with McMorrow? 
chatting with the sheriff is 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 the name of this type of team mentoring and what do you yeah. do exactly all right man well i'm so glad that you asked me this terry because this is something that i'm very proud of i have a lot of passion for and you know what terry like i i just i'm i'm going through a little bit of a a little bit of a roller coaster time in my life and but normally when people say that they mean it like as a as mostly as a bad thing because you're going through ups and downs but what i mean is that i'm just going through so many different things that I'm doing right now. But what I've decided to start right now is a mentoring program because I'm a few months into the coaching with Seaside, which, which I'm sure we're going to get into. Yeah. I'm starting to meet all these parents. I'm starting to meet all these young gentlemen and ladies. There's a lot of girls that are playing now. More than ever. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Terry, once you get, once you get your foot in the door of the coaching, and you're passionate about it like me, you start thinking about things to kind of make it better. And like, I started where these kids are starting now. I went through the same things that these kids are going through. And when I look back, there's so many little things that we can help to make things better for the kids now. And so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to take advantage of my blah, blah, blah attitude of always wanting to talk and I'm going to talk to these kids, make them comfortable and help them with things that could, that could be in the way of them progressing at the ages that they're at now. That was that a long is, answer. No, no. I like long answers, by the way. And I, uh, I'm known to give quite long answers. <laughs> so I, I identify first of all. And to be honest with you, it was probably the most important question I'm going to ask because a lot of obstacles and people – I often do hockey schools, okay? And over the years, I've come to know some some kids that around here that need to get away, for example, right? Like, it's a different element in Newfoundland. You get to be 14, 15, 16. You got to really, I mean, lots of people leave at 14, as did I, as did our latest Stanley Cup winner, Alex Newhook. You know, you, awesome. you've got to leave if you want to play against better competition. There's no way around it. And therefore, get better as a player. So that's a bit of adversity that here in Newfoundland, we deal with uniquely in that I've known, I've come to realize back here that a lot of the players have to go to a good billet. It's different than living in London and playing in Oshawa. It's a, I'm not downplaying having to live away and adjust and play junior and everything, but it's a little different here. And that's what I noticed when I started working with these kids. I almost became, for lack of a better word, a mentor in, in ways like, you know, because I've lived it and I've experienced it. What kind of obstacles do you see the kids coming at you with? Okay, so being in Toronto, like you said, every area is different, right? So that's a whole big talking point discussion in itself, leaving yes. the rock, leaving the I, island. I, I and, think you could right? write a book on it, yeah. In Toronto, though, it's like it, – it, 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 it's a whole different animal, Terry, because it's like the social scene is big because, like, Toronto's such a big city. It's a little bit posh. The kids yeah. are a little bit different, right, Terry? They're a little bit different. They're going to, they're, they're like, they're going out in social gatherings when they're really young, when they're young teenagers, stuff like that. So, so the reason why I'm bringing that up is because one of the big talking points in my team session, which was my first one this week, was okay. Friday night, it's your best friend's birthday party. You know that you have a game. You know that you cannot go. You know how much it means to your friend for you to go there. How do you tell your friend as a 12-year-old that you yeah. can't go to his birthday party because you have a game against the Don Mills Flyers on Friday night? How do you do that? And not only how do you do it, but how do you feel good about it? How do you not let it affect you during the game? There's many aspects to it. So the first thing I wanted to do was I wanted to tell the kids how proud they should be of what they're doing, that they're at the highest level. It's the NHL for kids being at, in this AAA league, this GTHL in Toronto. It, it, it's insane. When I was on our buddy, our buddy show, Spitting Chicklets, I was talking about how expensive it is to be on these teams in Toronto, these AAA teams. Well, now I'm having a talk with these AAA teams where these parents have played, paid all this money. There's all this pressure. The kids probably feel like, have like five agents their dad's the first agent mom's the second one their uncle frank is the third one everybody has an opinion on how they played on friday like it's like they're getting interviewed and they're literally it's an nhl for kids this league in toronto 
Yeah. They forget why they're doing it sometimes. I was trying to remind them that the first thing that they're there for is to have fun. The first thing they're yeah. there for is to have fun. Now, in order for you to have fun and in order for you to perform on Friday night without having these, these things in your mind about Jimmy's birthday and, and, and what is – what does little Betty think that I didn't show up and blah, blah, blah. So what we did, Terry, is we, I gave my explanation of how I think they should deal with it. I went around the room because I, I didn't want everyone to talk, but I wanted a handful of, the, of them to talk because when you hear your teammate say something that's been on your mind, but you just weren't sure, now you're hearing your teammate say it and, and say how he deals with it. That's going to push you in the right direction. You know what I'm saying? That's powerful. Yeah. It's very powerful, man. And, and you know what, Terry, I, like, like there's, there was a lot more to the session, but like I got, I think I got more out of it than kids might've. It was therapy for me, man. The kids absolutely loved it. The parents have already asked me back, but I, I felt like it was therapy for me. And, and I think that's the coolest thing about actually doing these presentations. Uh, I, I can see what you mean. Sometimes, uh, you know, when I, you know, my career ended earlier professionally than I wanted it to. And I found I, I turned into that kind of spokesman without really asking for it. And it does make you grow up pretty, pretty quick in a lot of areas, right? It, it, oh, yeah. it at least helps you mature mentally because a lot of people, you know, I guess when they look at a pro hockey player, they don't realize how much adversity there is every day. You're in a you, you, roller coaster was a good way to put it because it's not, and, and it's not always ups and downs. I've had, I had strings of two or three years where I couldn't have had more fun, but not all roller coasters go up and down. Some sling you sideways, man. And you know what I mean? It's, it's how to sure. deal with the, the good, the bad and the ugly. And I even mean, like you said, like a good, I remember scoring the winner in uh, game seven in overtime in the playoffs. And, uh, in Tri-Cities, it was the biggest goal that in the franchise history, I, I guess you could say at the, at the time, because we'd gone the furthest. We were playing in the Western Final against Kamloops. And, uh, you know, we liked to have a good time. We really did. And we had four days now till we played Kamloops. But normally, you know, you had the green light in junior, and then you'd look forward to it, and you'd go out. I mean, you probably, I say drunk, probably had six beers. But I remember, like, Damon Lankhouse, we had, I looked over at him, and we were like, you know, we're kind of the leaders here. I don't know if we should do this. And you know, there that that's a little bit of learning. And if we didn't have that team meeting, like you kind of mirrored what you just explained to me, and we didn't yeah. hear it from ourselves, if the coach just came in and said, No, you bastards, stay in, Bob Laux, God love him. Well, we probably wouldn't have listened the same. So that's pretty interesting. Um, do you plan on doing this? You know, is this going to be a thing going forward? Are you going to build off it, or was it, or was this particular incident a one off? Um, well, I, I've been I've been preparing I've been preparing it for the last couple months. Like, and when I say preparing, I mean like I'm sure you're the same way, Terry. You you prepare things in your mind. You might not even write them on paper, but you got something that you've been thinking about every single day, and it and it builds and it builds and it builds. Um, I did put it to paper a couple of weeks ago, um, and I just thought, you know what? Like, I think that this could really help. Like, I think it could help me. It could help my mind. It could help me grow. It, it could help. It could be therapy for me. But I could also get back and really help these kids, man. Because I'll tell you, that was a big issue for me, Terry. Because my friends did not support me playing hockey when I was younger, and I know that's the case with a couple of the young fellows now. And any help is good help. And 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 it just and and the reason why I'm smiling so much, man, is is just like seeing the kids, like you know. They're hanging off every word. I went on the ice with the team for an hour as well after the talk. Yeah. So it was kind of cool because they were, you know, they all wanted to pass me the puck. And, you know, you, you tell anybody that you have any type of NHL on your resume, people really appreciate that, right? And they want to ask a lot well, of Especially questions. there. You're in, you're in ground central station, man. You're in ground zero for hockey everything hockey in the world. I'm trying to think. I don't know. It's the biggest in Canada. It's Toronto's yeah. the biggest city in Canada with the biggest hockey enrollment. I'm not putting down Edmonton, which is crazy per capita out there and, yep. and crazy in a good way. And Calgary and Vancouver. Actually, Vancouver, mm -hmm. not so much. I mean, it's a big city, though, with a lot of fans. But, um, you know, I, I would think that – I didn't think of it till you just said it, but we're, we're a unique problem, I guess, or an adverse – you know, thing a kid that faces adversity or a unique obstacle, for lack of a better way to put it, for, for coming, yeah. leaving Newfoundland or or 
being a young player in Newfoundland is leaving. I guess for Toronto, it's all that competition all rolled into one. Like you've got the enrollment of some provinces, including my own, just in part of Toronto. I mean, so how do the, you must see it outside of your mentoring even. Like the McDavid's come along. Uh, do people, is there always like a player or players that are talked about from the time they're like 10 years old in Toronto? Well, pretty much what it will be is it will be the same league that I'm talking about, this GTHL, AAA league. Yeah. There's there's 12 teams, okay? There used to be six. Now there's 12 Pee-wee, teams. Like Adam, Adam right up to midget or Peewee back Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. But you know what, Terry? They don't even call it that anymore. They don't even call it novice minor Adam Adam. They call it like like novice yeah. is 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 U10. Minor Adam is U11. They call it under you know what I mean? Like it's different. They, yeah. they don't they don't have the names for them, but but whatever. I guess it's easier for people to know, okay, these all these kids are under 11 years old. Honestly, honestly, <laughs> right? you know what I think? I think the words peewee and midget offended people. I don't know. I have nothing to go is by. Is that what it You know what? I, I really I don't heard know, that. and I think it's silly, but I I don't know. I'm just <laughs> I, I just in the world we live in, you know, and I'm not I, I don't want to get political, nor do I take sides. I, I hover somewhere yes. in the center around logic and, 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 and people skills or whatever it might be. I'm just saying I would bet dollars to donuts. There's something offensive in there for somebody. But anyway, anyway, so be it. So be it. So you, you're so like saying and in Toronto. Yeah. Up there, they the, go by the year, don't they? Like under yeah, 10 or yeah, 11 or so like 12. Yeah. Exactly. That that's exactly how it is now. But but I'm sorry because I didn't answer your question yet. Now, so what happens is is early on in those age groups, there'll be a couple players that are identified. Like my age group, it was Michael Camilleri, Terry. So he played for the Toronto Red Wings, which was in this GTHL, yeah. and he was the best player in our age group. Bradley Boys was a was, was a probably a close second. Okay. Yeah. Those were the guys. And, and all the way up, I always thought Camilleri was the best player. He ended up getting an early scholarship to the University of Michigan Wolverines and, you know, had a great NHL career, right? Yeah. But, yeah, but yeah Toronto does have, like, like, they'll just be known as the best player in the age group. And then and then that will be, like, the guard of, uh, of the age group. You know what I mean? But, yeah. hey, Terry, speaking of him, man, I, I got to get your opinion on on Bedard, man, like sure, like what we saw with these numbers, twice the amount of points as the second place guy on Team Canada. Yeah. What's going on, man? Is this guy better than everybody, or what? It's funny. This was one of the questions I was going to ask you. I was, I, I oh, literally really? have... okay. Well, I'll answer after you. Yeah. Okay. So look, I know what the knocks on him are, and that he's smallish, and that the NHL's. I, I know all that, but. I've got nothing so far to tell me that he's not going to be a superstar. Like, I know there's knocks on everybody. I mean, name me any superstar. I can tell you a knock that they had when they were 15 or 16 or 17, including Wayne Gretzky. You know, he's not a good skater. Yeah. He's frail. He's not big. He's not built. Okay, whatever. He'll figure out a way. He'll go behind the net. He'll take, I mean, Gretzky was Gretzky. I'm not saying that, but you would have to think there's a chance for him to be generational is in the word. I mean, I, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but look at the people who's done what who who have done what he's done. Now let's take Connor McDavid. Even seven years ago, was it in junior? He, I remember. I mean, you, you couldn't get much more hyped. But in the actual world, junior, I don't know if you can get any better than what Bedard did. No. So I don't know how to answer that. Do I think he's going to be a superstar? Yes. Like, but then. Is there is there another gear ahead of that, and is he going to get there? By all accounts, yes. But I don't want to give this guy his flowers too soon. But here's how I will phrase it: How many points do you think he gets next year? That's one way to look at it. In the NHL, in the NHL next year, in the like, NHL. You know, I mean, I I couldn't see him getting less than fifty points, man. I can't see him getting less than fifty, but I think there's a chance he gets ninety. I do, and I might be I know, the only. Right? Like we just don't know. We don't know. We really well, don't know. I mean, if this transfers, right? It just depends on how how quick it takes this guy to to Adjust. adapt to the league. But in junior, I mean, look, I played a few games in junior when I was fifteen. I was third overall in that league, uh, mm. behind Wade Redden and Mike McBain, uh, yeah. and I was a blue chip right from day one. I went to. Junior A and led it in scoring at 14. But when I got into the Western League and played my three games as a 15-year-old, I was like, holy fuck, this is the Western League. When I'm 16, 
I have what I consider a pretty good year, 33 points, 176 minutes. But so it, what I'm saying is that, and I was on a, I was on a trajectory quicker than everybody else. Uh, yeah. You know, most people my age. He he was into the WHL leading his team and scoring as a 15-year-old. <laughs> you know, and I'm not saying that at any point I was Connor Bedard. I'm just saying it's it, a lot. You know, you've been to camps. When, when you get confidence, it changes everything. So he's yeah. good enough now, I think, to get 50 points. It depends yeah. on where he goes, how he adapts, what you said team leaders, what leaders he comes in the dressing room with, what kind of mm-hmm. rope they give him. Uh, if people... You know, there are. It's competition. Some people are pissed off. A young guy comes in, gunslinger, getting more endorsements than they do. I don't know where he ends up. One of the bottom-feeding teams right now. But I think there's a lot of ifs. But I'm going to say he gets, okay, quote me on this, I guess, in a year. I'm going to say he gets 75 points. Wow, that's a good, that's a good, that's a, hey, that's good, man. That's good. I I say, well, I already said at least 50. I already said at least 50. So I got, I, I got to stick to that. Um. Man, but 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 that's just the first year though, because maybe he's got to get used to playing with the real men, not just the top twenty-one, right? So uh, he does. Man, but Gary, as a first measure, you would say first year, right? And there are there are Dylan Larkin at forty something, like this guy is supposed mm-hmm. to be McDavid Gretzky. Anyway, go ahead. That's right. That's right. Okay, so. The thing is, though, man, when I was watching him and then seeing all the records being broken, so I was like, okay, so he's 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 breaking the, the goal record. Now he's breaking the point record. Now he's shattering the record because he got a couple more. And I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, Terry, this guy's break. This guy's doing better than everybody in history, man. Yes, and better than Mario Lemieux, man. He's better. He's doing better than some people at 19, right? And right? so. So, so when I think about it like that, and I think about how the NHL has changed, Terry, and how when we were coming into the league, size really did matter. Now it doesn't, right? Well, here, here's it where I'll debate you. How tall you are anymore in the NHL? Does it, Terry? Here's where we'll debate. I thought so okay. for years. So a few years ago, I was doing a bit of research. I can't remember why. It was actually a reporter. That was alive. God rest his soul from here. Robin Short was his name. Mm-hmm. And he would say that. And he put out an article in the paper. And the only thing that I couldn't understand, I called him and we talked about it. I don't know okay. if we ever solved the problem, but when I played, I remember reading, I remember opening the paper and saying the average size of an NHL player. And I was right on it. 6'1". I'm almost 6'1". I'm not quite 6'1". 195. And that's what I was. And I said, wow, I'm, I'm exactly average. And I made a joke because most of my opponents at that time were bigger and working out for it. And so I distinctly remember that. Then I looked recently, and it's at least an inch bigger and I think five pounds heavier. So really, if, if size doesn't matter, right? If size doesn't matter, I mean, in hockey, we'll say, because um, everybody knows uh, Ted Hitchcock got a 10-inch cock. But anyway, <clears throat> um, <laughs> So it's <laughs> if size doesn't matter, how did the average it doesn't have to be you're as physical, but still physics is there. If I go to get around Hedman, he's a lot bigger than John Slaney was. And so he'll probably stop. You know, like it's always been there. I think of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Remember, Corey Cross was six, six, but he wasn't physical. He was no. just technically mathematically Long reach. The rink is, is, is got boundaries on it. Right. There's boards and I can just you take you in the corner and throw you in the, you know, Cole Caulfield would still be an exception. But yep. now, but, but maybe not like they don't have to be as physical. I can think Flurry used to be there. Steve Sullivan. I can think of lots of small players and there's no more now than there were. So then explain your side of the argument. OK, well, the one good thing about you know, being in the media, doing these podcasts and everything else is that you can learn a lot in a show, Mr. Ryan. And I'm learning a lot right now. I'm learning a lot. I'm taking it in. I'm being humble because I had no idea that the average size had gotten bigger. Now I'm hearing this. And then I I, I heard what you said afterwards. And you know what, Terry? I was wrong, buddy. I was wrong because no, because your points all line up. And and what I'm wrong about is that it doesn't size doesn't matter anymore because if it didn't matter, 
then we would have seen it go down and seen all these little yeah. seen 10 more Steve Sullivan. I don't think it matters in the same way. I think you're right there. Right. Okay. Like, fair enough. I, I, I don't think like some players are just real soft that are that small and wouldn't be able to play back in a ferocious league. But I think to me, just think of the last teams that won the cup. I don't know. Think of Tampa. Think how big their deer. I know. Right. It, and yes. It, it it matters more than ever on defense. Think of all it the does. best defense in the league. I can't think of anybody like Cole Caulfield. Or I, I just used him for an example because I, yeah. I've been watching no, it's, it's, it's a great example, though, because he is right, a little, or, little or buzzer. Or, you know, Paul Coffey kind of. Yeah, but even, and Mike even Marner. Isn't yeah. he a little guy? Yeah, Marner. You know, I'm talking. 10? Yeah. So they, I think it's just a, a, to succeed, they would have had to have a little bit of more spunk back, you know, but, but like guys like now, like, I think there'll always be Gallagher's. They, they, they some people, it doesn't matter for Gallagher, but they got to have an extra bit of pep to them because yeah. there's guys you're going out against that are six, four and not yeah. everybody just, I mean, if the average size in the show was seven feet, I don't know that I would have been in as if I would have tried hard, but you know, <laughs> I'm just trying to think of them. I'm trying to think of the most sensible way I can put it. If the average size got bigger, I'm looking right now. So 198.9. So it didn't go up a lot, but it went up three pounds, four pounds, wow. Wow. right? Yeah. And height being height being just over six one. So it's I, around the same as it was. So that's all I'm saying. Yeah. If the same amount of players are in the league, and you do yeah. the division and the ratio, and it comes down that the average yeah. is in fact bigger than. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. No, I'm 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 grateful to learn this. And 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 I just want to add to that. I guess what it is, Gary, is you used to hear so much like so so you'd hear it so often, I should say, 10, 15, 20 years ago. You just you can't teach size. You can't teach size. And like yeah. I would hear that a lot growing up. And I would always be so confident because all these people, they liked me because I was big and because of blah, 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 blah. But it was always one thing because I was big. I, I just don't hear that anymore. But maybe it's just because they're saying other things. You know what I'm saying? I, I think I think we're, there's a bit of uh, – what's the word? Um, it's a bit of an illusion because I think size still matters, but from uh, I'm tell, I'm talking just from the point of view of keeping the puck out of the net. And I guess in a place like okay, Tage Thompson. Now his reach oh. must help. If Tage Thompson yes. was five foot eight, he'd still be a great player. Would he be the NHL player? Would he be in the NHL? I don't know. I can't. I mean, these are hypotheticals that you can. But what I can say is that that reach really fucking helps him. And he's Tage Thompson with those moves a lot of the time because he's got an extra foot on some players. Um, you know, you can't tell me it didn't not, not that you are, but Zdeno Chara, you know, he played into his 40s. So he could he could change his game easier because he's so fucking tall, right? He could lose a step and still, at some point, it's got to bounce off the pad and go in the net, and or, yeah. or sorry, go in the corner. And you're still Johnny Goodrow, and I'm still fucking Zdeno Chara, and you can't skate your way out of this. There's the puck. Here's me. Boom. You're held up against the wall. That's what I'm talking. I, I think when it comes down to, like, stick lengths and, you know, analytics and stuff, it still matters, but... Well, imagine tough. imagine a forward beating Zidano wide, Terry, and he had him, hasn't beat wide. And you know what happens once yeah. you're a defenseman and you've been beat by one step, you're doing that slide, that yeah. slide, you know, yeah. stick swoosh, swoosh. And yeah. I bet you he would get it every time. Yeah, just he think about when you had the puck. Right? Think about your play. You're, you've got the puck on your stick. You're a forward. You're coming up. And I don't know, you've you've got it at the red line and you look up. And I don't know, you might see a, a friend, Frankie Francis Bouillon used to play on the Habs, a really blocky guy. He was strong, really strong, but he was five foot ten. Now, if I, yeah. on the other side, I saw Peter Popovich, who's six seven, right? I just automatically in my head, I just go towards Frankie. I wouldn't even really think about <laughs> yeah. it, right? Yeah. Popovich wasn't even tough. He was just six foot fucking seven, and it was hard to get around him. Right. <laughs> you know, um, Corey Cross, that, that's, that's, that was such a good example, man. That guy was probably the best positional big defenseman. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He's just stick the best. He probably has the highest percentage of poke checks, like successful poke checks. Totally. You know? He was, that, he was that so was, underrated that, that way. I, I, I miss he, that watching that guy. <laughs> he, yeah, he came, I think, from University of Alberta. I remember he was at least out there practicing when I was early in the early 90s. I was with uh, 
Tri-City. Most of my teammates were from Edmonton, so I went there a lot. I know he was on the ice. I guess it's a quick Google Google search, but um, I, I believe he came from there. But same thing. A lot of people always said he would fail, but he was just really good at that, and he didn't pinch. He just stayed back. I, I don't know how many goals he got. Not a lot. He was on the ice a lot, and he just fucking—it was just math, man. It was, just, and I yeah. played against him a couple times, and I'm telling you, it just—you looked up and you didn't see much daylight with him out there. Yeah, um, man, I liked speak, him. I, I, I was a big fan of Corey Cross. He was awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah me too. Awesome, um, <laughs> speaking of leaders, who to name me the best is a strong phrasing, but name me some good leaders that you played with. Um. Well, I would have to go. I would have to go to my first year uh, pro. I actually played. Did you remember Doug Huda? Yeah, of course. I fought him. An Anaheim. I, he was one of the. There's, uh, there's a fight out there somewhere. You just spurred my memory. And uh, he was a gamer. We, it, was, it was a terrible fight. It was in Montreal. He didn't want to go. He was an older guy, and I just got called up. And we went to the penalty box and had a fucking great conversation. Never talked to him again. Never talked to him again. <laughs> go ahead. Uh, uh, Jason Botterill, I also got to play with my first couple of years. Um, he was like, he was like the, the sergeant for Team Canada when he was at that age. He did I remember the best that. NHL career, like numbers wise, but man, was he ever a good leader, man. Um, I, yeah. I played with Tim Brent in, in, in the Rockford Ice Hogs. He was, he was a really, really good leader. He was actually our, our captain. Um, he, he got called up to Chicago for a little bit. He wasn't even that well a skilled. I think they just called him up because he was such a big leader, to be honest. That's and, great. Um, you know what? I, um, I'm just trying to think over, over the years. Like I had a really good captain because when I think of the leaders, I'm thinking of my captains, of course. And, you know, uh, Colin Shields, who's a British player, that yeah. was the captain of the Belfast Giants when I was in Belfast. He was a heck of a leader as well, man. People don't realize that, you know, so we can say it's easy to, it's easy to assume when you watch the NHL because we're given so much information. And I often said to people, I'm like, you know, and I had some great, I mean, um, Vinny Domfus was fucking fantastic. But I say to people, I'm like, you know, of all you, I've, I've been asked that question. I'm like, a lot of them are in the minors because you don't have as much to work with. Like, you know, everybody's not rich in the minors. Some people are down yeah. there making ends meet and they got a wife and two kids and they don't want to get traded, but they know they might. And they, there's a lot going on in the minors to unpack. And it's not as easy to be a great leader or captain because you're not given as many of the resources a lot of the time. And right. it's often somebody that just likes to. I was going to say a booze with the boys, but I know at least a couple that didn't drink, but we'd go over there for coffee in the morning. There was always this communication and, and almost that by the time I got to the rink, no Zach Boyer, for example, by the time I got to the rink, I'd, I'd, I'd have to be on the same level mentally with Zach. It was almost like I looked to him for approval. I don't remember ever having any big conversations with him, just like it was nice to have Zach on my side. And those kind of guys are, I think to me, underappreciated in the minors oh yeah i mean and, and then and then you got to add on how stressful some of the travel is terry and the fact that 90 percent of the games in the ahl are between thursday and sunday and they're usually three and threes friday saturday yeah. sunday oh, so yeah, man. i mean oh, fuck it takes a lot more leadership to get the boys going when you're yeah. playing three games and two and a half nights man so I can like remember like some of the gloomiest times, like Friday, Saturday, <laughs> Sunday, pulling into like Wooster and it'd be foggy in November, just getting cold. And you have like, you know, we I we got in so many fights. I don't mean you and I personally together, but I, I know what it felt like. I know what your hands, but I wasn't as tough in that category, but I had 34 in my first year in the A. And I remember just my hands. People ask me, do your hands hurt? I'm like, do my fucking hands hurt? My hands started hurting in September. Now it's May, and they're just coming around because I haven't played in three weeks. Of course my hands hurt. I've had 34 fights in 70-something games, man, and I'm punching people yeah. in the face and in the helmet and in the teeth. I, I yeah. like and, and, and to come in and have those three and three, not even all about fighting, That was just, but always hurt. And any player that plays hard, by the time you're in January and February, unlike other sports, I mean, there might be nagging injuries. But pretty much everybody in the room is hurt, right? Yeah. That's another and Terry, thing. Terry, what about the Sunday game being in the afternoon always? Yeah. 
It yeah, wasn't at yeah. night. It would no. be the absolute third game. It's like, way yeah. away, man. <laughs> I tell you, what a great feeling if you've done if you've just done okay in those three games. Like going into the third period, no, and it's almost over. And then like ten minutes left, and whatever team you're playing at the same fucking schedule. And for the first time all weekend, people start joking, and oh, everybody knows that fuck. <laughs> Another few days of freedom after this, right? It's just like, <laughs> um, it, is there yeah, anything you would have done differently? Now, I think you had a great career, so you don't. People that, you know, might judge hockey, which is a lot of parents. We could get into that in another episode, just on like making the NHL. Look, you went to camps. You were one of the toughest around in a tough, tough, tough era. Um, so, do you have any regrets about your retirement or your anything that any choices you made during the game? Definitely. Um, the, when I was okay, so so I was under contract with the Sabers for four years, right? Yeah. You know, you're drafted, your property for two, and then and then they sign you to your entry level. That's mostly the case for most of us. So, in those four years, Terry, there was there was an opportunity. There was a really big opportunity one year for me to make the team, and that was my second year. Okay. Yeah. So my first year pro man, I led the I, I like see how see how you did so well. Your first year in the A, I was the exact same, Terry. Okay, so yeah. I had forty. I remember hearing that. Yeah, forty-one fights in sixty-four games. Fuck. I had one assist. Okay, as a fourth-line yeah. right winger, twenty-year-old in the AHL. Now, because I was doing well, winning the majority of my fights, being my you know team guy whatever. I, I won the man of the year award that, that year as well. And because I was doing well in the eyes of the brass, what they did was they rewarded me and gave me a call up at the end of the season. It was in March, March 22nd, yeah. my first yeah. year pro. So I get called up over Andrew Peters, who's two years older than me, second round pick. Yeah, he's ahead of me in the depth chart. He didn't get called up that year. I did. So now if I had my shit on straight at that time, yeah, I would have got a personal trainer. I would have hit the gym harder than I had ever had. I would have went to every single skate I possibly could have thought of, kept healthy, and in September, I would have made the team. Obviously, yeah. I would have had to perform in training camp. Obviously, I would have done well in those preseason games, but it was either me or Andrew. Andrew was supposed to be the one but I was ahead of them after my first year. And, mm -hmm. and that training camp, Terry, I didn't come in out of shape, but I didn't come in in good enough shape. Yeah. And Andrew yeah. made the team. I went to Raj, back to Rochester. And that's one of my biggest regrets was that summer that I did and, not uh, go hard enough, man. That's interesting. But for what you're doing now and to be able to be honest about that and face it. And, uh, and again, you went down and had a, another season of pro it wasn't all fucking rotten apples but um you know that that's good and then that's again more more knowledge gained and advice that you can pass on nba fans it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nba this week new customers can bet five dollars and win two hundred dollars in free bets instantly plus for a limited time all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt-in, and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game. And if it doesn't hit, you'll get a free bet back. So, what are you waiting for? Download the app now and sign up with the code THPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in free bets instantly. Again, that's code THPN, as in the Hockey Podcast Network, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void in Ohio. See show notes for details. This time of year, everyone's talking about making big changes, which is all well and good, but most of the time, pretty unrealistic. You've probably found that the smallest changes to your routine can actually make the biggest impact. In the same way, you don't have to break the bank to make a big deal purchase. Even the smallest things can be part of a big change if it's something you use every day, just like Raycon earbuds. Raycon is premium audio at the perfect price point, so you can build great habits without breaking the bank. Whether you're looking for a pair of everyday earbuds, low-latency gaming headphones, 
or a speaker with a battery that will last all night at your next party, Raycon's got you covered. And yep, Raycon's start at half the price of other premium audio brands. That means you don't have to choose between products. You can get one of each, or a pair and a spare, and still pay less than you would with some of the other guys. Even if you know you'll love your Raycons, Raycon wants to make sure you feel great about your purchase. They offer buy now, pay later options, and every purchase has an easy and free return guarantee. Ready to buy something small with a big impact? Go to buyraycon.com THPN today to get 15% off your Raycon order. Again, that's buyraycon.com THPN to score 15% off buyraycon.com slash THPN. Which sport are you closest to outside of hockey? Um, well, it, it would, <laughs> the, the big black guy is going to say basketball. Well, you know, it, it is basketball. And I'll tell you why, because my youngest <laughs> brother, Liam McMorrow, <laughs> my youngest brother, Liam McMorrow, this guy grew eight inches when he was in grade 12. He was a hockey player, just like me and my brother, Pat. We were all hockey players. Liam, eight inches, growth spurt, becomes a basketball player, went on and got a D1 scholarship and ended up playing 10 years professional. So I lived through him with basketball. Yeah. I learned so much, Terry, about the rules, asking him this, asking him that. So because I had a brother that, that got a D1 scholarship and played professionally, I'm very close to that, to that sport. Interesting. Where did he go uh, professionally? Buddy, this guy got a D1. Oh, professionally. Okay. So, yeah. so he, he played, he played in, in the G League, which is yeah. like the AHL for them. Oh, yeah. Uh, two years in the G League, couple, couple NBA summer leagues in Vegas. I don't know if you've ever, you know, and, yeah. then, and then he went to the CBA, which is in China. That's the second yeah. highest paying league other than the NBA, yeah. right? He did like a tour of Asia. He went to China. He went to Taiwan. His favorite place that he went to was the Philippines. The Philippines, they treat you like a king. You have a driver. You have a maid. You play your basketball, and, and, you're, and, and you're living like you're Alexander VIII. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, interesting. It's, I knew there was a, there's a there's a player from around here, Carl English, and and he ended up, he was uh, projected to go in the second round. He didn't, but he went over to Spain and played for a number of years. Came back here, played in the CBA, played in the G League. He played in a, a you know, it's similar. So I know about the route. Put yeah. it this way: I'm aware that there's a lot of opportunity in basketball outside the NBA. It's not as advertised in our worlds as the AHL is. Or yeah. the East Coast League, but there's all kinds of opportunity all over the world. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Um, this question came in last time, and it's just real random. But your board game—do you have a board game that you like playing? Um, I was I was a lot more into it, man, when I was younger. I I, I was a Monopoly guy. Uh, snakes and ladders. Snakes and ladders was. You're close to I'm your sorry? mom. You guys don't. You you and your mom don't play crib or anything, do you? No, Terry, we don't. You know what? Me and my mom. I I know she's not either. We're not the biggest cards guys. I I wasn't a big card guy on the bus. I know you probably were, but but for some reason, I would rather like listen to music, read, or or just talk. I'm such a. It's because I, I I never talk, so. You know, <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah. I just I don't know. I'm not a big card guy, but Monopoly, Snakes and Ladders, games like that would definitely be frequented around the household. I see. Uh, now I have a question that uh, I heard them. I forget it. Might have been Chicklets or it was Overdrive. I listen to a lot of podcasts, including yours. Uh, but the other night, did you see when the Blackhawks were playing the Oilers and the Oilers put in the e-bug at the end of the game? Are you the Oilers put in the the Oilers were playing the other night. They were le beating the Blackhawks seven to three. Yes. Okay. And with about I don't know two minutes left, because their backup was injured, so Campbell's in, Skinner's injured, so they had an e bug on the bench. So with about two minutes left, they put the e bug. Emergency backup goalie for people that yeah. don't know. It aren't usually on NHL contract. They get paid like 500. David Ayers is the best example I can think of in recent yeah. history. Scott Foster got uh, played with uh, Chicago. Now, but this guy, but those were emergency situ situations. This guy was on the bench. The Oilers were winning seven to three. 
McDavid apparently came with the idea, and for two minutes, the Oilers put in an e-bug that didn't really have to go in. So at first, I had to see his name. Hold on uh, one sec. I did see that. Some people, yeah. Now I didn't think anything of it. I just thought, okay, um, God, where's his name? I thought they were just the story was that he was on the bench. I didn't even know that he got into the game, Terry. Yeah, to he be on honest. The bench. University of Alberta goalie Matt Burley yeah. fulfilling his childhood dream and becoming the fifth emergency goaltender to play minutes in an NHL game. The thing is, between you and I, the first four, it was all actual emergency. The two goalies got hurt and they had to go in. Um, and I love that this happens in hockey, just no other sport. And I know it, at some point it's going to it's going to be a pie in the face here because it's probably oh, going to go. But, oh, but it, it really is a nice, nice story when it happens. And I just looked at it and I was like, that's great. You know, this guy's going to have one game played on his NHL. He plays for the University of Alberta now, so it's not kind of as outlandish as putting in some 60-year-old plumber. Like, you know, this guy played in the dub, I guess, a few years ago, whatever, wherever he came from. He's a University of Alberta's goalie now, so it's not outlandish. He can stop a puck. He's 24, 25 years old. But I I hadn't thought of it from the other perspective. Now, Chicago are looking at that going, what the fuck? Now, in yeah. our era, I think it might have gone up because, I mean, it, depending on what way you take it, I'm looking at it as a fan going, oh, it's great he got in. But can you imagine if you're on the road and it's seven to three and like some team puts in their trainer in the net just so he can say he played a game? And it's almost laughing at the other team. Like, what do you think? I, I find it a real hard fence. It's a hard line to tread there. Well, I'll tell you what I think. I think that if it was in, if it if it happened in our era, and I was in the lineup, I definitely would have been sent to go get somebody. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. that's the case, isn't it? To send some retribution for that decision. I think it's extremely disrespectful, Terry. Yeah, I think it's I, extremely I, disrespectful what they did to the Blackhawks. Yeah, um, if I was the Blackhawks, I'd be very upset. Yeah. And you know what? It's it's it it like like it's. it's too bad for the Blackhawks that it wasn't in the era when they had Probert and Simpson and all these maniacs. Dave that Manfred. was my last shift, man, against Jansen's Probert Russell. Yeah, Fuck. yeah. But, but you know what? Like, here's what here's what I don't understand, and I think I kind of do. Vanden Bush. Well, well, no, we have Vanden. I mean, they were they were. It's but but this is the thing. In that era, I guess there was more fun. I mean, it still happens. There's big guys. They're, they're fighting. Like, it's funny that we say, you know, but traditionalists go, well, you know, no fighting anymore in hockey. And last year, there was like 207. Like, there's still, yeah. compared to every other sport, it's, you know, you can drop your gloves and bare knuckle a guy. That's great. So, and hopefully, you know, you can do it. I know the game evolves, but for the most part, there's not, for how many fights there are, there really aren't as many injuries, right? So, anyway. Anyway. Without, I'm dissecting it too much. But I'm, again, I left home as a pure scorer. There was nobody that ever expected anything. Now, I played in a junior league. It toughened me up a bit. And then when I got to realize that I got more room out there, room meant a lot. I wasn't going to go around anybody end to end. I had good instincts. But if you give me an extra second in front of the net, I'll tip 20 in. And, I, you know, by the end of every year, I would score. They weren't Damon Lankow type goals who played on my line. But they went in because I knew how to get around. I knew how to carry myself. I knew how to get respect. And for me, fighting was often a choice. But if I saw someone do that, I would be upset. If someone cheered and went by, by my bench, I don't care what era it's in. I'm going to fucking lose my mind. So, And I just thought that was human nature. So now I see more and more, you know, like I don't know. An it, it, a month ago, Kachuk went back. Uh, Matthew Kachuk, he was playing with Florida, he went back in Edmonton. It was subtle, but it was the first goal, and, you know, he went and rubbed it in uh, Edmonton's face, whatever it was, you know, I'm from Calgary, I signed big money, whatever it was, you know, and I like Kachuk. But I'm going to find out another team, and he comes in into my building after, you know, the focus is on him, and he's laughing, and he's celebrating in my building. I'm going to go out. I don't care what era it is now. Yeah. Sorry, this is a long question, and I'm going to give you what I think is the answer. 
I, I, I've asked this for years and I've wondered because I'm like, human evolution didn't change. Like, someone must be pissed off. But again, people like you and me came from a different era and you really had to work for it and not everybody was an elitist going in. Hockey costs so much more nowadays that I don't know if the heart is gone out of the people that are 16, 17, 18 that end up because they've gone to so many camps and been told they're so good and it's so individual and do this for the gram instead of this for your teammate. And by the time they're 18, 19, maybe it's just different a different kind of people that are in that situation the people that would react like me are home not playing on the triple a's because they don't have that money and you know they're still passionate they're passionate in their midget triple a league whereas their friend is playing major junior maybe that i don't know it's just funny to me more people don't fucking react you can't hit the goalie for example you know I, I'm getting I'm, I, I'm I'm getting pins and needles hearing you say it buddy because i i get confused about this stuff all the time too but I kind of relate it to the fact that I think it's a cultural thing, Terry. I think that our cultures really changed, man. Yeah. And I'll give you a couple of examples. Like, usually when I'm tying this in to the fighting aspect, I'm, I'm saying that, you know, 20 years ago, Terry, if one of our buddies smacked this kid to discipline him, wasn't really that big of a deal, right? But now, if one of our buddies smacks his kid, you know, CIS yeah. is going to get called and, you know, he, he possibly could spend a night in jail, right? So yeah. that's how our world is. It's a little bit more softer. I'm not for hitting kids or anything like that, but I'm just saying, like, in general, life has gotten softer, buddy. I know what you're saying. COVID. Yeah. Super soft, man. Like the young generation. In today's world... Maybe someone would have cut me off when I was 14 or 15 from hitting that extra bit or dropping my gloves in the first place. And then by the time I'm 20, it's kind of bred out of my brain. Whereas maybe, yeah, I know what you're saying. The way that you're raised and whatever culture, it's in you, right? Doesn't it- Yeah, but, but like the other thing is, is, is we have the 24-hour like sports news cycle now. So can you imagine, like remember, remember all like the kind of like the mini brawls and like, like there was like, if you were playing a team that was in your division, there's going to be at least one time during the game where there's almost a brawl. Like it's like a yeah. five on five. Not everyone's really fighting. There's one going really good. The other ones are just kind of jabbing, but, but you know what I mean? But nowadays you wouldn't be able to keep showing that. Every 10 minutes, a hockey fight, every 10 minutes, just too, it's too much violence. Our culture has changed, man. We're, yeah. we're pretty soft now, like in general, compared to where we were. Like, yeah, like to me, my, it, it's, it's actionary versus reactionary. Now, a lot of things, yeah, you just, you assume so much going in, but you know, if I just, yeah, I mean, I, I would love to see some guy that I wanted to cream out there and he celebrate a goal or something or just give me a reason <laughs> but I, I yeah I'm so on your side with this of what I would do if T'Chuck laughed at my bench and it was in my building and it's where he played last year and, and that whole storyline not only would I be expected to go and jump and get him but if I didn't like Stand up and start screaming my head off. You're dead to Chuck. I'm going to get you. You Like, if I didn't do that, my teammates would probably be disappointed. Yes. How come you didn't? Mac, 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 Mac. Say something. Like, you know what I mean? And if if you didn't, it would be a a subconscious nod to the other team that you're being walked over. Hey, they're fucking tough guys aren't even doing fuck all. Yeah, Christ, Terry Ryan's not doing anything. He doesn't give a shit. Let's go in and run fucking Doug Strobel or whoever. You know what I mean? Like, of course we're going to. And yeah, you're right. Um, Which you see, it's hard to be subjective while I'm looking at it um, because there's a lot of different and there's more people now. There's more cultures, for lack of a better, there's more people playing the game around the world, and there's more immigrants in Canada playing that got into it. I'm, I'm sure, I don't, I, I often wonder what it must be like if you come from, I don't know, India, and you're, you're yeah. over in, you know, your, your, your parents were, were immigrants, and now you were born in Canada, and they want you to get into the local sport, and, you know, you're pretty good. You're like eight or nine years old, and you're out there dangling. They go, oh, this is cool, and then you go to an NHL game, and someone fucking beats the piss out of somebody with bare knuckle fists. It must be. I mean, I, I think there's, there's 
there's cause for comedy in there. Hopefully, it gets written into Shorzy. Um, no, there's there, there there definitely is, and like I know that you're just about to get into something, but just because you mentioned that, I, I have to bring this up. Now, seaside hockey. Yeah. What I coach, this program is kind of similar to what you just said. Seaside oh, hockey. Good. Seaside hockey is a program that has had a grant from the Canadian government. Okay, Terry. So if you want to play hockey or if you're interested in playing hockey and you sign up with Seaside where I'm coaching, you get free equipment, head to toe, Terry. You get free skates, Terry. You get sticks. You get everything that you need. We have a learn to skate program for a couple of weeks. Then we give them their stick. Now they're wheeling around with a stick. Then we allow them to use pucks. Then we separate ones that are learning fast from the slower learners. We make all-star teams. We have age groups from, from six years old all the way to 14. We have an all-star team for each age group that's now playing against single-A and double-A teams. None of these kids played hockey in September and had zero equipment. Now wow. they're flying around the ice, Terry, bar down. That. That that's I what I'm missing right now. So now, what you just said about the pro hockey game. Yeah, 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 yeah. About the pro hockey game. As, yeah. a, as an organization, we went to the Toronto Marlies game oh, right gosh. after Christmas. So this was the first game that a lot of these kids had ever seen live. Wow. There was a couple scraps. There was a couple, oh, I was yeah. so happy to see an AHL scrap, Terry. We were right in there, and I'm like, oh, here we go. I think what's going to happen? And then, boom, it started happening, and it was unreal. And I looked at the kids. Some of them were really confused. Some of them were cheering. <laughs> but that was <laughs> – I can see how somebody – I guess – Yeah, yeah, right? You see it. That's the sport. We were young at 1.2. Um now that's wild, but I'm I'm glad that that's really interesting, and I, you know, hockey is really touching a lot of places on Earth. I'm including the United States. When I was real young, like you know, I didn't expect it to be as popular. You can thank Wayne Gretzky for a lot of it, but I mean, the globalization of it after that, the internet and players like yourself who are promoting it, it might be of a different uh, look than everybody else. Uh, Willie O'Ree, shout out, he was the first, right? Willie O'Ree, first Willie black player. Was am the I first. wrong? No, uh, Willie O'Ree was the first. Um, it should have been Herb Carnegie, but it was Willie O'Ree. Yeah. There you Mike go. Martin and Bill Riley. Those, those are the top three. Interesting. Bill Riley is a former St. John's cap over here in Newfoundland. Is he? Uh, yeah, yeah he senior hockey uh, over here for years. Then he went to Amherst and always, always kept a few Newfoundlanders on the team. He was very good to St. John's and, by extension, Newfoundland. Oh. Who, who is one of the better... If, if 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 a defensive forward comes into your mind, who's the best defensive forward you already ever played against? Same thing with best leader. People ask me these questions, and these those two caught me off guard because okay. a lot of people were good leaders, and so and defensive. Yeah. God, it's like who's good? At, like some people are great at faceoffs. And you put them out there in the defensive end with minute, but it doesn't necessarily mean they're any better defensively. Then the next player, and then you know some players that are offensive. The obvious end of the spectrum being Bergeron, but (laughs) I got mine. It's actually a Montreal Canadiens Hamilton Bulldogs guy. So you may know who it is. I don't know how he played in the NHL, man, but in the AHL, this guy was definitely the best defensive forward. He won all the faceoffs, like hands down. Remember Thomas Pukanic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's still playing at 40-odd years old. No I way. The, Where is he playing? I watched the highlight the other day, man. Where is he playing? to Jagger. They're playing in Jagger's hometown. Clodno, maybe? Clodno? In the Czech wow. Republic. Yeah, man. man I hated Plakanek, Terry. Yeah, he was... Uh, to kill that kid. Yeah, but you know, he was good <laughs> at what he did, wasn't he? He was so good, but he right? would chirp. He would yeah. chirp, man, and I just wanted to kill him. I never got on the ice with him because he was like a top forward. Um, what do you, last question, I got to take off. We've been here an hour and, um, you know, I like your take on everything. And but much like Ken Reed, I'd like to have you back maybe uh, every uh, couple months, maybe to be a regular guest. I love your take on things and you're doing a I lot. I appreciate that, Terry. It seems to me, and you're an inspiration for a lot of people. I hope you know that, right? Um, I appreciate I, that, buddy. I'm not just saying uh, the 
black movement either or movement. I'm not saying anything to do with Black Lives Matter or growing the game culturally with the black community. What I'm saying is that a lot of people look up a lot of people that are podcast. You're a real go-getter when it comes to podcasting. You're carving your own way. You really work hard. You got great people around you. You're choosing to mentor. Some people choose to go in and be a mechanic. Nothing wrong with that. You're choosing to mentor kids and everything. So the work that you're doing is 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 positive vibes all around. It's good for karma. So I really enjoy the success that you're continuing to have. And for that reason, I want to have you back. My last question Thank to you. Everybody. What do you think can be done to improve, at least in my mind, the NHL All-Star game? I, I think... <laughs> I get it that kids like it, but I, it's too corny for me now, and I don't even understand what's happening when the game actually happens. For me, maybe, I don't know, maybe go back to having... I enjoyed watching Gretzky play Lemieux and company and Eiserman and Bork and maybe five-on-five five like it was, maybe make the MVP of the game for each team, maybe an award, maybe a million bucks. I, I really don't know, but... There has to be a way that it can't be as corny. That's just my opinion. Maybe you love the game. If not, what do you think can be done to improve it? Okay, so um, I think that the NHL is trying to like be like kind of like the NBA All Star Game, like with all the all these little festivities and stuff. I think they need to make it more plain, Terry. I think like like back in the day, like you said, you know, Gretzky against Lemieux, five on five. You know, the MVP of the All-Star game. It was very simple, man. There wasn't – I don't even know if they had the, the shootout competition then. I don't know. Well, you know what they did? Because I remember Patrick Waugh being like in yeah. – you know what I mean? So Al- Ally Afraidy got the hardest shot. I don't mind that. Shot. I, I think I, they I, should I, just stick to the hardest shot shootout competition and just the plain old All-Star game. Yeah. Man, like, you got to rub I, guys out too, man. You can't just, you know, just – you know, just be out there. You got to rub Dude, guys I watched, out. Like in the mid mid fucking eighties, Campbell Campbell Conference versus the Wales, and first of all, I don't know at what point people said we got to make this All Star game better because it it's exactly good. what I want to see. I think Gretzky had four that game. It was you can it's on YouTube somewhere is where I found it, but. Yeah. Uh, and there is, there are people rubbing out. There was a couple guys like blocking shots, not like leaping down with their neck, but you know, shot coming in, kick it away with your pad. Like they were playing rather responsibly for a game like that. I think Gretzky won a car or something else. And I don't those know. Are the maybe glory it, days. Yeah. And then I remember like short, maybe it was two or three years later, Ally Afraidy came out with the skull and took the, I get the hardest shot. Bork went four for four in these clips. I, on the, I didn't know anybody did that. He went four for four. So I get some elements of that, but it's starting like now I think they play like six teams, three on three divided up. I mean, at some point there's going to be, they're, they're going to have two pucks out there. I'm sure. You know, yeah, I, they're, do, they're doing that. And then they're having guys wearing capes and doing all the stuff that the NBA does. And that's not, that's not hockey, man. That's, you know what I mean? Get, and get, I don't know at what point we needed that. Like why, what do point I need needed it. And hence my, like, show me Ovechkin on a breakaway. I'm happy. That's the best fucking scorer of his era, arguably ever, taking a breakaway against an NHL goalie. It's an all-star, so it's going to be one of the best. Why yeah. Why do I need to enhance that with a fucking dancing bear or a fucking yeah. fiery yeah. hula hoop or a cape? It doesn't make any sense. Anyway. It's very true, buddy. Very true. Great. You, have you any, get you fired have any up just like me, Terry. Yeah, I do, and, and um, at least... I think this is the thing. I know sometimes I get too passionate about my points of view, but if we weren't like that, I don't think we would have gotten there in the first place. Like true, but I don't hockey. think you get too fired up, buddy. I love it. I love well, it, man. I, uh, I I appreciate it because you're looking in the mirror when I'm doing it, pretty much. But uh, yeah, you know what I mean. I think that passion led to us having a pro hockey career. It, it, it's it whether it was taught to me or not, whether it's nature or nurture, I'll never know. But I'm sure glad that. Meyer produced players like you and I. I'll leave it at that. Well, that's awesome, uh, buddy. Thank you for being here today. Really appreciate it. And do you have anything else to plug or anything on the way out? Uh, no, just just um, anybody that, that wants to support Seaside Hockey, guys, please look it up, what we're doing. Um, we're looking for, for new players all the time. We, we're looking to grow the game. Um, I, again, Terry, what we were talking about with the team mentoring – if there's any teams in the Toronto area that are looking for team mentoring, definitely reach out to me. 
And I would love to do that. I just want to make things better for the players. And the future is bright, ladies and gentlemen. Well, that sounds great. And uh, side note, I'll be up there in uh, just over a month. We're doing Shorzy season two, and I'd love to join you at the bottom of the line for oh, a... Oh, man, uh, I would absolutely be honored to. That's, that's where he does his podcast, folks. The podcast name, again, is The Sheriff Podcast, correct? That's right. The, the Sheriff Podcast on all platforms. We also have a YouTube channel, The Sheriff Podcast. And thanks a lot, Terry. I appreciate that. No sweat. Folks, if you're downtown St. John's and you want to go for a beer, go to Trinity Pub, The Bull and Barrel, Rob Roy Confusion, TJ's Pub, or Greensleeves Pub. If you're going to have a bite to eat, why not try Merchant Tavern, Blue on Water, or Wedgwood Cafe? If you want to make a change with your body and mind, go to Ryan Power, Power Conditioning on Rope Walk Lane, Strength, Balance, Body, and Mind. And of course, Mr. Lube has two locations here in St. John's on Torbay Road and Kenmount Road. Live, laugh, Lou, pain, pitbull pain relief. Pitbull pain relief sticks are second to none. I highly recommend them for any aches and pains that you might have. And of course, true hockey. Take what's yours. Folks, this has been 140B with my guest, Sean the Sheriff McMorrow. See you all soon. I'll catch you on the rebound. Thanks, Terry, for having me.